Welcome to High Tea with Three. Come sit and spill the tea with us. Just don't ask us what's in our cups. I'm Paul. I'm Erin. And I'm Fran. Welcome to our first episode, y'all. We're so excited that you're hanging out with us. Yay! We're doing it! So excited! We're doing the thing. Oh, God. We are doing the thing. And um, so as you can imagine, as um, tea spillers, we like to talk shit about basically anything. Yeah. Nothing is exempt. No. And... You know me, I like to go big or go home. And can we just talk about the Catholic Church for just a second? Yes, absolutely. Please. Oh, God, uh, yes. Okay. Um, so, Aaron, have you heard, Fran, I think you have heard this. You and I tend to have very similar For You pages on um, TikTok. But have y'all heard how pronouns <laughs> broke the Catholic Church recently? I did because I'm on um, deconstruction TikTok, and, oh, and yeah. so they talked about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and I'm on religious sh- trauma TikTok, so I've definitely heard it. See, and I'm I'm from Christian TikTok, so I heard about it. Um, so, for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, a whole hullabaloo started when the Catholic Church decided that this one particular priest who had like a 25 year like huge body of works um, that none of his, none of his baptisms count anymore because he said, we baptize you in the name and not I baptize you in the name. And um, apparently that undoes all of his work. I don't get it. I don't pretend to get it, but none of those people are baptized and all the people who died after he baptized them, well, they weren't baptized apparently. And that's like a huge thing in the Catholic church. It is. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, does that affect people who have died? Are are they in hell now because of this priest? I think, I think they just got ripped out. Like, I think they were repossessed. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Just like, um, (laughs) Um, well, and so then this opened like the floodgates of other priests who realized that they were doing it incorrectly. And like one priest even watched the video of his own baptism and found that the priest who baptized him had used the incorrect verbiage. And so he's technically not allowed to be a priest until they settle all this. But like some, I almost said the Nicene Council, because we're clearly back in the the BCE days um, have decided that none of this counts. And what I'm finding out is two things. First and foremost, heaven's a buyer's market right now. They ripped all the Catholics out and there's like prime real estate for those of us Mm -hmm. who like, if you're non-denominational, you don't have any rules. I'm Baptist. We have very few rules about (laughs) baptism. Like I'm getting in and I'm getting on those big houses. Yeah. Um, it's, It's my kind of world. The McMansions. But she's going to kick Father Teresa out of her fucking McMansion. No, I'm not touching her. She's she's <laughs> wonderful. She can have that house. Um, but the second thing I figured out is no wonder all these fucking conservatives are concerned about pronouns. Apparently, it really does have a much larger effect than we realized. Get your oh they God. them. Get your they them out of your profile. You may not be going to heaven. Is what I'm learning. Mm. Here's what I do know is that. If everyone going to hell, the Bible says is going to hell, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to be with the fun people. I want to be with my friends. I'm going to be so lonely if I get to heaven. Are you kidding me? Okay. I mean, like, y'all have fun, but did you hear I could have the McMansions? Your boy grew up poor. I would like, I need seven bedrooms and nine bathrooms and a pool. Okay. All right. We'll miss you. Have fun. We'll miss you. We'll be here warm. (laughs) 
I guess Jesus will be your friend now. Listen, it's about time. He does love you. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Well, um, I that is a lot. Can I talk a lot. to you guys about the whole baptism pronouns kind of thing? A little insider baseball? Please do. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm saying this for the audience because you two obviously know me. Um, I am for the audience. I am second generation Sicilian. So I grew up in a very strong Catholic household and uh, no. bap- baptism is a big deal. So it is a um, it's the first sacrament. And basically why the pronouns matter is that uh, he is supposed to say, I baptize you in the name of the church because he is a because the priest itself is a messenger of God. Right. He's the mouthpiece of God. He's, he's so the, he's, he's invoking Christ man, yeah. with him. Yes. So, yes. Rather than saying. Like- we sorry i feel like it's been so messed up now that they should just go back and be like you know what it's we i mean we changed and also with you which i'm still not used to right it's like and with your spirit and like i can't even do that without going into a john mulaney bit but god damn it it's true uh but the thing is is that changed like year round i thought that change is based based on the liturgical calendar apparently it's always and with your spirit now oh I know. Again, um, my father-in-law is Catholic. He knows all these rules. Like he was going to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. um, And then he met my mother-in-law and decided that he wanted to get married more than he wanted to traipse around the world as a missionary. You don't say. Um, So, but he's like, he's devout and he could tell me all those rules, but that would require Mm -hmm. me to sit down and ask. And um, I just, don't need more information in my head. I already have too much that I don't use. Yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that and uh, getting to people like who weren't baptized are going to hell. If you're not baptized, you're not going to hell. Like that's that that's not a thing. Basically what the baptism does is that it chases away the very misogynistic concept of the original sin that everybody is born with. Thanks to Eve. Right. So now, I mean, if we're gonna Moses if we're said, gonna go with the patriarchal sense of the Bible, it's really Adam's fault for not having control over his woman. So, and that's all the Baptist Church. Like, <laughs> oh god, oh man, we're oh. first episode. Everybody's unsubscribing already. They're like, mm, I know. Eh. Oh god, because yeah. the Catholics sacrilege right out the gate. Too yeah. much church talk. Well, you guys have a better fish to fry than some pronouns. If I do say so myself, Catholic Church. Fair. It's true. Speaking of hell, you want to know who's going to be there with us? Oh God, so many people. Wait, are, is this somebody we're excited for? Or are we pissed off that we have to share a room with them? Oh, we're real mad. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I'm going to guess. Oh, BJ Townsend. He was in my third grade class, and he always smelled like piss. That's not a real person. Nobody try to Google this kid. <laughs> <laughs> also, it just reminds me of the meme that you sent us earlier. About the my humidifier. kid in the humidifier, and then the comment underneath it was snort. Snort birth control. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no, Franny, do you have a guess? Um, it's not B.J. Townsend. Don't try that one. Okay, it's not B.J. Townsend. Um, it's um, oh, you know what it is? I bet it's Marie Delvecchio, the little shit who used to pull my hair. Also, not a real kid. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, you're both wrong. It's the Tinder swindler. Fuck off. Because now that the 
documentary has been released. If you haven't watched the Tinder Swindler yet, you have to. It's so freaking good. Go uh, pause this and watch it. We'll wait. We'll, you'll yeah, just come back. We'll, we'll just wait. But so the thing is, he wasn't even banned from Tinder until after this came out, which just blows my mind. No way. I did not realize that. That makes Tinder sense. Yeah. That makes Tinder sense. So he was banned from Tinder like last week. <laughs> Every time As I we hear more this. about dating apps, I'm more and more grateful I was married before dating apps were a thing. Listen, let me tell you, I Listen. download Bumble like once every six months and I stay on it for like four and a half minutes and then I, I delete it again. You send us a screenshot within the first four minutes of you downloading it and you're like, never mind. Every yeah. time. I'm like, why do I'm you happier just... alone? I mean, like I appreciate the screenshot, especially the most recent one. I've had a lot of fun with it, but that one was a good one. Um, but no, um, since you can't find him on Tindler, Tin Tindler. <laughs> Don't look for him on new- Tindler's list. <laughs> Uh, you beat me by a second. You beat me by a second. <laughs> you were drinking. I had well, to take it for since you. Since you can't find him on Tinder, you now have to find him on Don't say Cameo. Hinge. Fuck that. <sighs> so you can get a cameo from the Tinder swindler himself for 1,000 British pounds. Good God. Which in American dollars works out to thirteen hundred sixty-one dollars and four cents. I hate it. Thirteen. I can get a cameo from like the entire cast of The Office for that much. Yeah, it's so like uh, you're overvaluing yourself. Listen, you know listen. they tell you never to undervalue yourself. You're overvaluing yourself. Uh, for all you Broadway theater nerds, you can also get a uh, cameo or a high note. I guess it's called from Drew Gasparini. I oh, I really I have oh, yeah. to assume that this is his new way to lure in women because if they will pay a thousand British pounds for a cameo, then they'll probably give him twenty five thousand dollars when his enemies are after him. At least. So here's my thing. I used to think I had a pretty decent level of confidence just as a like mediocre white man. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about this guy and I'm like, I have so much work to do on myself. Let me get with you my really therapist do. and be like, listen, really, really. I need to be fixed until I value myself as much as the Tinder swindler values himself. Like I and just want to have the confidence of the Tinder swindler. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> my new goal. I go into work every day and I, you know, I put my makeup on, I look in the mirror and I say to myself, what would the Tinder swindler do? And you it know. has changed my life. That's I'm getting that bracelet. W W T S D. What would the Tinder swindler do? I had to work really hard on those letters. I am embarrassed how hard that was. Oh, man. used to educate your children, by the way. Do what? Oh, gosh. So this man used to educate your children. Listen. Gentles and lady, then. Um, Well, see, I taught in the South, and every day we got closer and closer to me getting fired because I wanted them to think about Black people existing. Oh, every day you straight further from God's light on that one. Yeah. Well, if you live in Texas, you may have seen the headline today that Dan Patrick is trying to end tenure in colleges, which I think is fine. Um, I think tender. Now I'm I'm, the tenure tenure needs to be ended for university professors. Yes. Let's just get rid of Tinder for university professors. You need your <laughs> yeah. own thing. Your students are on there. You don't need to swipe right on them. Yeah. I am so sick of accidentally messaging the wrong Mr. Sullivan. 
<laughs> so he wants to get rid of tenure, which I kind of understand. I, I get why he would want to get rid of that. But the reason he wants to get rid of it is so that he can stop critical race theory. And that is stupid. Hey, I am totally judging a book by its cover here. But looking at this man, I know he has no idea what critical race theory is. So I just want to no. sit down and ask him like four questions. Like I'm going to start with the basics. Like, can you tell me who Claudette Colvin is? And when he yeah. does that question, like the interview will be over. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Dan Patrick looks a lot like an old lesbian. <laughs> it's oh my true. God, he does. Oh my like, God, he if does. If you told me he raised horses in a farm outside of Fredericksburg, I would believe it. I was going to say, he looks like a Vermont lesbian. Uh-huh. Like there's, yes. if you, he's got so much flannel and there's going to be a tool build somewhere. He runs an inn. This is like, no hate toward lesbians. Like we need to oh, point no. that out real yes, fast. God, yes, yes, no. God, God, no, we're not monsters. It's just, he, and he lives there with his, you know, his roommate. Pat. Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. Now, mind you, whatever you are, whatever you do, we here at High Tea with Three support you. Uh, just not True. this asshole. <laughs> yeah, right. if you're Dan Patrick, just know that we hate you the most. Yeah. You're in a collection of the most, at least. You're in the top yeah, five. You yeah. <laughs> you're in the top five, and three of my five are all in Texas, so. You're right. Fran, do you bring us any headlines today? As a matter of fact, I do. Is it something Italian? Shut up. <laughs> okay, I'm going this to take that as a yes. Something. Is it pasta related? It is not pasta related. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is oh, it a oh, fight at an Olive Garden? No, it's not a fight at an Olive Garden. There's not Italian. We talked about this. <laughs> it, hurt, it hurts my fifis when you do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my fifis. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Okay, that's something I'm trying to make a thing. All right, uh, so I have from my home state, where I'm currently still in, is uh, NorthJersey.com. So Great. yes, so I live in New Jersey. We know this, and uh, I this is given to us by the single headline, which uh, made me absolutely jump for joy. So Jersey colon mobster attacked Real Housewives of New Jersey boyfriend in exchange for discounted party at Brownstone. Every word, every word you read, I could not have predicted where the next one was going. Listen, the only word that was missing that would have made that more New Jersey is sure. Yeah. Sure was the missing word. Now, full disclosure, as you guys know, I Googled uh, weird New Jersey stories and this came up. I didn't even look at the date. It just needed to happen. But this came out in 2020. But let me, who That's gives, fine. who counts Give it to me. I, it's it's 2020, 2020 for three years. years. <laughs> Exactly. It's been 2020 for a whole last like cycle. So it's fine. Uh, and even the first line, I swear to God, is even in what might be the most New Jersey story of the year, an alleged soldier in the Lucchese crime family pleaded guilty Wednesday to beating a former reality TV star's husband with a slapjack in return for a deeply discounted wedding reception at the Brownstone in Patterson. What? <laughs> okay, where did I lose you? Where did I lose you? Like, it's not that we're lost. It's just that we're having to take smaller steps to get there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because that makes total sense to me. I don't know about you two. Sure. You could put sure after any other word in that sentence and it would go. It would. No, I'm with you. 
It would. Um, we are we are going to go down to the Jersey Shore at some point in this also, episode. So please, please, could someone call Andy Cohen so that we can have the Real Housewives of the Jersey Shore? Let's not because I need it. One thousand percent. I say that as somebody who's not seeing a single episode of a Real Housewife or a Jersey Shore. I have not seen a single frame of either. I'm very proud to say that. And uh, the only reason we are going to have the Real Housewives of the Jersey Shore so my mother can get a TV deal. So this is already a bad idea. <laughs> what I, can't I wait know, to watch her at the reunion. I'm so excited! I'm just saying. What I know of reality, <laughs> we are 35 minutes in. My mom's going to kill me. <laughs> involving these people is um, there is a Snooky. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's an animal, a vegetable, or a mineral. Now there is Snoopy. Actually, I shouldn't say that. She picked herself up very well. She cleaned herself up very nice. She really did. She did. And she has lovely children now. Beautiful. So There's well a behaved. situation. There's often a situation. Yes. And um, There's a situation. He went to jail for a while. Bethany It was Frankel. fine. It was a white-collar crime. It was fine. Shut up. Bethany Frankel was not on the Jersey Shore. No, no, I just said the reality TV. You know, I don't watch any reality oh, TV. Gotcha. Except for those awful judge shows like Judge Steve Harvey that I was watching today. Also, uh, I'm going to call you out because you do watch reality TV. What you watched watch? almost a week of reality TV with me. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I do Paul, watch how that dare one. you? Yes. I do. It's the Dallas Cowboys. the show. Oh, that's the show, called Paul. Making the Cheerleaders Dallas Cowboys Cut Edition Extreme. <laughs> Extreme. Kitty Carter. <laughs> with Kitty Carter. Featuring Kitty. Oh, goodness. Well, okay. Paul, you have a, you have some you have some haunted tea to spill today. Hi, oh no, Jim. I don't have to go into the the story. Oh sorry. Oh yeah, tell us your story. Sorry, we got so sidetracked. Oh, I'm sorry. It's we a, let no, you read the first sentence. We were like, well, that's enough of the story. <laughs> that's that's enough enough of that. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. This guy's where my partner's from. Oh, this is an ass. Okay. <laughs> Do you know this guy? I I don't. <laughs> my partner might though. I'll ask. Uh, you so. ask your oh. That would make this so much better. Staking everything in me not to text them right now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the uh, person that we're talking about right now is uh, John Perna of 43 in uh, Cedar Grove, Physics County, where you at, uh, admitted via video conference to a federal judge that he attacked the then boyfriend of Real Housewives of New Jersey star Dina Monzo. That's the one who's had all the work done. Um, Outside yeah, that doesn't a, narrow it down. Yeah, you no, know, exactly. I mean, I know um, who you're talking. I know exactly who Dina Manzo is. So yeah, she's the one. Wait, is that the one who uh, who said that she was busted because the feds were in the rec room? No, no. That's okay, Teresa. You know, that's Should Teresa. I? God, oh, jeez, yeah. Teresa, that's a whole other mess. Okay. I was like, I surely you're not asking me because <laughs> I will make up someone. It was BJ. From, from Aaron's story. It was Marie Del Vecchio. We decided this. <laughs> <laughs> so Dina Manzo outside of Passaic County strip mall five years ago. So this is all coming to light now. So her ex-husband, Thomas, promised this man, John, uh, John Perna, a lavish wedding reception at the Brownstone, which is a venue in Patterson, which is very, very high scale, believe it or not. It is so 
it really is a gorgeous place. Like my, my family has been to so many functions, but that it's, it's very nice. Uh, hopefully the food has been better since last time I was there. Uh, <laughs> did you, as like, Fran suddenly did you, drops that like her family's bougie. She, she drops bougie, bougie, she's bougie just, and then immediately loses us a potential sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> the Brownstone is not going to sponsor me. I guarantee goddamn to you. They're not now. So part as attorney, Stacy, I, I find this so funny because only I could read this out of the three of us. Um, True. So the committing violent crime ad. So Perna already has a racketeering uh, charge. Of course on he does. His, on his, of course he does, uh, which could imprison him for up to 20 years. Perna's attorney, Stacy Biancamino, uh, did not respond. Shut up. Did not respond to a request for comment. Thank God. <laughs> I want to know what Stacy has to say. <laughs> I, for one, would love to hear about the legal counsel of Stacy uh, Biancamino. I hope I'm not putting too much like accent um, on that. Does her mom have it going on? If Stacy's salary is what I think it is, she sure to God has the work to have it herself going on. That's good. Okay. Um, so Dina Manzo, so Dina Manzo's family. Uh, was Every featured time you say in, that, I think you're saying I Dina Manzel, and all of a sudden it's a very different news story happening to me. Hold on, Travolta. Adele Dalzim. Adele Dalzim. The governor demanded that the ex-husband who put Perna up to this resign from the North Jersey District Water Supply Commission because he'd given his official address as the brownstone and not his actual house in Franklin Lakes. So there is. An absolute mess here. This is what happens when this is what happens when old boomer retirement want to be Henry Hill. This is what happens when they think they can get away with shit. And you really think that it's just, it's just it. honestly, this is this whole thing was a ride. I need fine. I need a drink because I guess I'm too Texan to understand New Jersey. That was so that was the most mob shit I've ever heard. <laughs> this is some mob shit. Because they made him resign from the water board. <laughs> yes, from the water, which is his job now. His job yeah, now, I bet apparently. that's his job. It was, I mean, allegedly. <laughs> I bet he was waterboarding. <laughs> he absolutely was. He was also working for KPW. He's on the water board. He works for the, um, for the Genovese family. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, this is going to go great. They have Chris Christie on their side, I think. Oh, God. Former Governor Chris Christie, fucking asshole, also took aim at the Manzo family in 2011 when he threatened to file ethics charges against Albert Manzo, Thomas's brother, and then the restaurant's co-owner. The governor, and that was how he demanded he work, he resigned from the District Water Supply Commission. Okay, so. Uh, I don't watch a lot of, I don't watch Real Housewives of New Jersey. My mom watches it. I probably should have asked her before I did this. I've uh, watched bits of it. I know bits and pieces. Okay. I so know, I, okay. So Dina Manzo is not the sister. Like, so there's two Manzos on the show or mm-hmm. used to be on the show, Caroline and Dina, their mm-hmm. sisters. And Caroline was so much more entertaining than Dina. <laughs> so much more entertaining. So do with that what you will. I don't know what to do with that. I'm trying. I don't know what to do with that. I'm sorry. I don't know either. <laughs> is there more to that story or is that it? Uh, that is uh, pretty much it. At front of Jersey, that is absolutely, that is singing like a canary. I mean, I just need to know what exactly he was doing for the waterboard. I'm very interested. Um, I mean, th- th- it doesn't cover the waterboard. It sounds like it just... he was probably 
breaking kneecaps. That's all. Well, let's see. Chris Christie made him quit, so he was definitely busting kneecaps and throwing people in trunks. Just not yeah. Chris Christie because there's not a trunk on this planet. Allegedly, allegedly, let's not get sued. Allegedly, in our first allegedly, episode. allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> this is comedy. If you think we're serious, you're wrong. You're in the wrong place. You're, you're so in the wrong, wrong place. place. We have done three quarters of a full research paper between the three of us. It's true. Pick yourself. It's true. So then, Paul, do you have a uh, a piping hot haunted tea story to spill us? I do. That, pi- none of that makes sense. Hot okay, so and we today, understood all of it. That's the best part. Today, I brought you a piping hot tea story. <laughs> that's, a, that's what we're calling it from now on. Um, yes. So this month, we are focusing on haunted places. Yes. And so for my first, I bring you one of my personal favorite haunted places. I've stayed here several times. Um, It's a beautiful building. It is. So today I am covering the Manger Hotel in San Antonio. Yes. So um, first, the history of the Manger. In 1847, William Manger immigrated from Germany to America, where he settled in San Antonio. And Aaron, I know you know this because you're from Texas. Aaron, uh, I, I don't know if you know this. I but don't. Texas I mean, has a very here. large German community. Oh, that yes. I didn't know. Okay. Huge. Um, and so, especially in this area of Texas, which I think surprises a lot of people because they think of San Antonio and they hear the Spanish name because it is named after a Spanish mission. But that is a like that whole area was really predominantly settled, like in German communities, New Braunfels, that whole little area, mm-hmm. which means there's great food down there because oh, there's there a lot is. of Mexican influence and a lot of German influence. Listen, New Braunfels, green, um, Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, all great places to eat. Yes. And Bernie, too. Yeah. And Pflugerville. Pflugerville is about three hours from... I don't know how Texas works. It's not. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Pflugerville. I was in Houston in my head of saying Pflugerville is outside of Austin, but there's yeah, not really like a whole lot there. A it's a white flighty kind of place. As long as it's not um, game day for UT, it's about an hour and a half. Yeah. If it is game day for UT, then it's about three hours. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, the only thing I know about Pflugerville is that it uh, gave birth to tea. no, it gave birth to Eugene Lee Yang of the oh. Guys. Yes, that's where he's from. Um, really, I did not know that. Yeah, I love Eugene. I love Eugene. All of, all of the no longer teenagers, but when I started playing with them, teenagers that I played PlayStation with were from Pfluger, Pflugerville. How um, fun! Yeah. Hey. So anyway, so it is. So he settled not in Pflugerville, but in San Antonio. Um, So when he settled into this area, he settled with the intention of resuming his previous trade as a cooper and a brewer. Um, And it wasn't that big of a leap because he kind of had this built in community of um, of people who would understand his heritage and what he already brought. Um, And so while he was. When he settled in San Antonio, he met and married. Um, oh, I practiced these names and now I'm real terrified to say them. So I'm just going to say Mary okay. because she has very German last names. And I'm not going to embarrass myself today, at least not yet. Um, Mary was a widow who owned and operated a boarding house in San Antonio. Okay. Um, so William, noting San Antonio's economic potential, especially as a stop on the Chisholm Trail, 
um, expanded Mary's boarding house and combined it with his brewery in the mid 1850s. Um, the Chisholm Trail was a trail that was used in cattle drives to take cattle from ranches yes. in Texas to the Kansas railways so they could be shipped east and sold for higher prices where there wasn't as much ranch land. So right. um, San Antonio was an important stop along this way, and that's where a lot of its early commerce came in. Yes. So in 1858, William and Mary Manger hired an architect and a contractor to build them a two-story, 50-room hotel. The goal was to build a hotel along the Chisholm Trail, because up to this point, the passing cattle drivers only had boarding houses to stay in. So the hotel cost the Mangers $15,000 to build, which adjusted for inflation is the equivalent of about $525,000 today. Okay. So, you know, essentially what I spent this weekend just on food. Chump mm. change, really. <laughs> like, everyone's got that just floating around. Oh, sure. Yeah, I do definitely have that much money just mm. hanging right. out. Right, Absolutely. just in your pocket right now. I'm definitely not poor. Look at my other purse. <laughs> so, um, the Manger officially opened in February 1859 and served as a meeting place for cattle barons. It was an immediate success where many cattle-related business transactions took place over the years in that hotel lobby. And I will just say, it is quite a comfortable hotel lobby. It's where I once drunkenly admitted some of my most embarrassing secrets to complete strangers. So good on you, Manger, having a very comfortable hotel. Um, In fact, just like, I I know that I have told y'all this story in private, but San Antonio is the first place I ever got drunk. And Aww, we're so happy a, that you <laughs> loved our city. It was in prox- it was in close proximity to you, Aaron. Even before we were friends, I felt that connection. <laughs> so it's um, very easy to lose track of yourself and get very drunk here very quickly. We do not make we do not spare on those margaritas for no. sure. Well, and so this was the first time I ever really went out drinking. I was very serious in college and just didn't have the time to go out. Mm-hmm. And so as, as a like grown adult professional, I went to the music conference that happens there every year. And all of my yes. fraternity brothers were so excited that I was going out to the bar with them. They just kept buying me drinks and I lost track. It was like one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. Like we yeah. were done. Um, Second night, Gracie. Yeah. So this hotel was built in what is now San Antonio's Alamo Plaza Historical District. And it was built right next to the Alamo. So you could not forget it, even if you wanted to. I was hoping you would do that. Of course I would. I go for low-hanging fruit anytime I can. Yes. Um, the Manger um, strove to provide its patrons with amenities that were, to that point, rare or non-existent in Central Texas. Um, it became the leading hotel in San Antonio, attracting locals and travelers with, this, with its exquisite beer, and attracting cattlemen, businessmen, and military leaders because of its proximity to the rest of the world. Was the Manger was actually um, situated first, like I said, next to the Alamo, which was actively being used as a military installation at the time. Um, and yeah. then it was also, like I said, a stop on the Chisholm Trail. And it led the way to trade with Mexico to the south and provided passage to unsettled territory out west. And so it was like, the perfect meeting ground for all of these important people. I say in air quotes because all of these people generally did shitty things that were staying yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so um, the Manger's Western Brewery 
you know, I have an R impediment and that word is really hard to say when you can't say R. It actually You're sounds doing hard really to say. Well, You're doing though. great. If you hadn't said anything, I never would have noticed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really having like put a lot of energy. So this brewery was the largest one in Texas throughout the 1860s and remained that way for 20 years, even after William Menger's death in 1871 at the age of 45. His now widowed again wife, uh, Mary Manger, and their son, Louis, managed the hotel for 10 years after his death. And Mary and Louis expanded the Manger after William's death. In fact, immediately after her husband's death, she ran an announcement in the local newspaper that said, like, fear not, I'm carrying on my husband's business. And that she, in fact, it like worded um, that her husband's death, quote, would cause no change in affairs within the hotel or the brewery. You're not. I'm single, baby. (laughs) Well, she was just like, I don't need no man. We're going to get this going. And she did that. She bought the land next to the hotel and built more rooms to accommodate a larger number of guests who were all trying to get rooms. And in a one-year period, she documented over 2,000 guests staying at that hotel, even back when they only had 50 rooms. So that's awesome. They had a really good turnover rate there, or like a really good visitor rate there. Yes. On February 19th, 1877, the first passenger train pulled into San Antonio and with it brought further success for the Manger. This allowed an even higher volume of guests to stay and promoted a lot of growth in Alamo Plaza, including the first federal post office in San Antonio. Um, and so the Manger trying to keep up with all the like the one they wanted to have like the premier amenities of hotels. So they installed um mail shoots on every floor of the manger so that patrons could at the like at a central point just drop their mail and it would all be collected in a big basket and somebody would deliver it to the post office for them that's awesome mary also had the hotel modernized she added bathrooms water closets and room service bells um and by 19 by 1879 i almost skipped 100 years By 1879, Mary had gas lighting installed throughout the hotel, and though she managed it well and business was thriving, she was ready to pass the torch of the manger to someone else. She was aging at this point, and Lewis was not interested in running the hotel, so she sold the hotel in 1881 to J.H. Campman for $118,500, which is the equivalent of $3.1 million today. Holy shit. She sold it for six times what they paid to build it. Jesus H. Motherfucking Christ on the camel. She <laughs> is. I mean, she's like a business queen. Good she for is. her. She is. Snaps for you. <laughs> Mary uh, Banger. Right? I channeled Mead Girls and I just wrote, good for you, Glen Coco. <laughs> good for you. Let's go, Glen Coco. You yeah. know Glen Coco. Uh, so Campman bought the... Campman, who bought the Manger oh. Hotel for Mary, was actually also a German immigrant, and he had been the contractor who had originally been hired to build the hotel. So he worked with the architect to actually construct it. So it's really cool that he got to then buy this cool property that he'd built. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And his family owned and managed it from 1881 to 1943. So they held on to it a long time. Um, He added another wing, added a second lobby, relocated the kitchen, and expanded the dining room during his time as the owner and operator. He added a laundry and brought piped water to every room, allowing for private bathrooms, which brought a resurgence of guests when they'd started to dwindle. The hotel offered 
amazing amenities, including a billiards room, an attached barber shop, a fully stocked bar, which to date is still one of the best bars I've been to. Um, like it's classy and has everything you can imagine. Yeah. And when Campman's son, Herman, took over, he hired an architect to study the House of Lords Club Bar in England and create an exact copy of it for his hotel. So that's actually the bar that I am referencing is so nice. And yeah. so this, um, in 1887, this new saloon was added and locals and celebrities alike visited the bar. Teddy Roosevelt drank there and recruited his Rough Riders in this saloon in the spring of 1898. I believe every word of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, in preparation for the Spanish-American War, old Teddy Boy used the saloon as his unofficial headquarters and used it as an induction station for the Rough Riders, which was the name given to the first of three volunteer cavalry regiments put together for the Spanish-American War. They were also the only regiment to see combat And the men trained in San Antonio for three weeks before leaving for Tampa and on to Cuba. And one of the reasons he picked this location to recruit from is, again, because of the Chisholm Trail. He would take, like, grizzle old cattlemen who had been riding the trail forever and um, kind of swoon them into this life of a hero. Yeah. Mm. Do you think it was so he did it so that they would name a high school after him that might kid goes to that's exactly why he was like listen one day aaron is going to have a kid Uh and he and that kid will want to go to old teddy boy high yeah that's i mean that's what they call it it's called old teddy boy high um that is the name of the high school i just show you my t-shirt that has um theodore roosevelt getting uh like theodore roosevelt about the river of doubt going yes road trip Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's later in my notes, but it's also said that this is where um, Teddy Roosevelt decided that he was going to run for president was in this saloon. Um, and I think I have hey. that right. Uh, <laughs> Listen, at least he had a sound mind from a reliable source while he did it. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Totally. So in 1902, Herman Campman, the, this is the son of the man who bought the hotel was killed in a horse and buggy accident and no single family member was interested in running the hotel. So ownership passed to the Campman family as a whole. They worked to update, upgrade and keep growing the hotel, which led to it becoming known as the most elegant hotel in San Antonio, which was important because the Manger was now beginning to face competition in the Crockett and the Gunter hotels. Okay. Yes. The Gunther mm-hmm. or the Gunter is very yeah popular it was like it was their big yeah like rival Um, and the emily morgan at some point came in there but that was not for a little bit yet yeah so after world war one however the family could no longer take care of the hotel and by 1929 it had become so neglected that it was removed from the state guidebooks and then the great depression further led to the hotel's abandonment due to a lack of travelers and thus revenue the hotel entered a time period known as its quote declining elegance and more than once during world war ii plans to literally pave paradise and put up a parking lot were discussed Great. Okay. Yeah, like... Also, Declining Elegance is the name of my memoir. So in 1943, William Lewis Moody Jr. bought the Menger Hotel, and in 1944, the National Hotel Corporation, which Moody had founded 
and is now called Galtex because it's run out of Galveston, Texas. We're really inventive with wow. names here. They, um, they stretched the old the old they, mind. They were like, they were one. scratching that brain right there. Yeah, they were. The So this corporation took possession of the manger. And under his supervision, the manger saw a complete restoration. By 1948, new plumbing, electrical, new plumbing, electrical fixtures, and building decorations had been installed. And the Spanish patio gardens had been restored. They are beautiful. 10 out of 10 recommend the visit. Mm-hmm. Um, no detail was missed. Moody had every painting restored by a local artist, every piece of furniture restored by a local craftsman, everything to breathe renewed life into the manger. Instead of renovating, he restored it to its absolute elegance at like the time of its heyday. He then added more rooms, tore down and reconstructed the lobby, and added three floors of air-conditioned rooms above it. However, Moody never built over the original hotel that William Menger had built. Anything he tore down was the additions of Mary or of Campman. So the original portion of the hotel is actually just that. It's original. If you go and stay in one of the first 50 rooms, those are the original 50 rooms that have just been updated. Wow. Right. Okay. So in 1954... Moody died and ownership of the manger passed to his daughter, Mary. So we're at another Mary now. In 1968, the World's Fair came to San Antonio. And to prepare, Mary spent $1.5 million, which is the equivalent of $12 million today, to to build a five-story addition with 110 additional rooms to accommodate the influx of tourists. In 1977, she died, passing ownership to her nephew, um... And the hotel is still owned by the National Hotel Corporation, also known as Galtex. And they, as a corporation, operate the Manger today. So in its storied history, it's only had three, like, three owners, really, um, which is kind of impressive. Like, it's the Manger family, the Campman family, and then the Moody's. Okay. Um, you know, I'm so, sensing a lot of parallels between your story and my story. We'll get to my story. But, like, I'm noticing a lot of parallels between your story and mine. Oh, really? Yeah. So, many famous people have stayed at the Manger, including several former U.S. presidents, Ulysses Grant, Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, William Taft, William McKinley, Harry Truman, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Lyndon B. Johnson, um, both Bushes, and Bill Clinton. <laughs> Military figures such as Sam Houston and Robert E. Lee and other notable figures like Oscar Wilde, Bob Dylan, Mae West, and Babe Ruth. I want to hear, I would pay an obscene amount of money to hear what Oscar Wilde heard about that, felt about that place. Right. I, I just I really, we're talking about a man who's said either this wallpaper goes or I do, and then he died. <laughs> Listen. He's the patron saint of this podcast. I dream <laughs> of being that dramatic. Same. Um, so as you can imagine, a hotel this old and set next to one of the most iconic and historical historic battlegrounds in Texas is haunted as fuck. Um, so I'm yes. going to start at the Manger Hotel Bar, which is referred to by GhostCityTours.com as, quote, the most historic saloon in San Antonio. Yes. Many have reported that upon entering the bar, they have been overcome with eerie feelings and there have been more than a handful of ghostly sightings. Yes. The ghost sightings have been well documented over the years, and one of these being the ghost of Richard King, who's the founder of King Ranch. Yes. He had been in his personal suite that he kept full time at the manger at the time of his death. 
So I have, I just have a question and I don't, I don't know this cause I'm from Texas. Okay. Does everyone know what the King Ranch is? I would doubt it. Do you know what the King Ranch is? I do not. It's that okay. point in the episode where we're just going to play help the Yankee. Uh, yay. It's time for help the Yankee. So the King Ranch is the largest ranch. I think in the world. Okay. Hold on. Listen, Texans are taught things like this, and we never know if they're actually true once we're adults. Yeah, I know. That's why I like when I was studying my thing. I'm like, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I'm like, why don't I know this? I'm like, oh wait, because I'm not indoctrinated. At its peak, the King Ranch was 825,000 acres. Certain parts of the highways in Texas run through the King Ranch. I was going to say that's through. Oh my god. Mm Hmm. Um. There's a whole casserole named after it because we try to borrow from the north when we can. Um, King Ranch chicken. There's the King um, Ranch edition Fords. And there's so the King Ranch edition Fords that are like have all the saddle leather in them. That's what where that comes from. Right. Um, So, yeah, it's very it's a large place. Yeah. And so he was a very, very, very wealthy man who. Like when yeah, he sneezed, hundred dollar bills came yeah. out of his nose. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. sounds like yeah. it. My God, he had I mean, the Midas touch. Yeah, I could get. I could probably do some quick numbers on like what, how many head of cattle they had, and every like it's just astronomical. It's insane. Yeah. So, um, he had, like I said, a full time personal suite at the Manger, and he that's where he died. And his ghost is so well known and acknowledged that, according to Texas Monthly. The housekeeping staff will not enter his former suite except for in groups of two or more. Um, And there are several rooms, in fact, that staff refuse to enter alone. But the story is that King loved the manger so much that he refused to leave and like literally refused to leave. So even in death, he hangs around. And so he's reported to hang out in the bar often. um, And sightings of king in the bar have been rolling in since basically the time of his death like he is one of the steady ghosts since the day he died wow oh, okay the manger bar also has a requisite woman in white i think everyone ha- every haunted place has one um, you have actually, to have one in order to get your haunted certificate oh, that at least one it yeah. just make you get one if you so don't have the, one you need at least two ghostly animals the article I was reading um, at this one mentioned that women in white are so common at haunted places because um, undyed fabric was much cheaper. And so it was more common for many, many people to own white. Um, and so it. I just assumed it was because there were so many brides that got left at the altar. Oh, that's also true. Probably. Well, it could be. Sure. It. And I thought that was an interesting theory. So there's a woman in white who. Um, is cited multiple times each year who hangs out at the bar. Great. Um, so along with ghost sightings, there are always other kinds of paranormal activity in the bar. Things move from place to place. Glasses just fly across the room. Lights flicker and pop. Noises can be heard from abandoned corners. The keys to the liquor cabinets have been known to just vanish from plain sight. EVP recordings have been taken from within the bar. And even I personally have experienced cold spot cold spots in the bar, um, and that is a very common um, re- report from the bar. 
Yes. So Paul actually experiences cold sparks, which is cold different sparks. than yeah, cold they are. Spots. Listen, um, mm-hmm. I am on Ghost Hunter level two. Yes. Um, yeah. I have progressed past Zach Bagans, and yes. um, yeah. Well, don't tell him that, please, because we're gonna get we're definitely gonna get sued. We're gonna sued. <laughs> we're gonna get shot him. on sight. Tweet at him. Maybe he'll block us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like Christine when I grow up. Can you tell? I can tell. <laughs> and then, of course, the most famous ghost who appears at the Manger Hotel bar is old Teddy Boy himself. Of course he does. He's reliving his glory days. Back before glory he started days. all that bullshit in Panama. Um, uh, so he appears. Who was it that ran down that story? Was it Shelby? Shelby. She's mm-hmm. like, so... <laughs> <laughs> and they said no and so then he said and they were like yes go ahead build your canal yeah. <laughs> was like what, what the fuck we don't want yeah and i just like that she just like pulled it all out she really did it was very impressive um so love you shelby so for those of you who are not involved in this group chat we had for no reason a historical conversation yesterday that was so we don't need a reason. interesting <laughs> And I enjoyed it very much, but I did too. But our friend Shelby just like gave us this like very complex historical like rundown that we were all mm-hmm. taking notes on. That it was like she just like yeah. it was so casual for her. It's like she'd woken up from a nap and was like, "Okay, fuckers, here's everything you need to know," and then went back to sleep. Like yeah, she took the mic and fucking ran. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. And since we're discussing this, I know that this is going to come out in like three weeks and this will be long past but shelby is like living her best life today she is she's preparing to present at a huge uh-huh. conference and, and we are so proud so of you proud of you we're so proud of you shelby we, we are. really are we love you um so the uh, podcast is just a love letter to our friends <laughs> so Teddy Boy appears dressed in his military uniform and he has been reported by patrons and staff or it's been is. reported by patrons and staff multiple times he's always seen sitting at a table having a drink just as he did during the time he was recruiting his rough riders and also as the legend goes it was this very bar where he was inspired to run for presidency according to Texas Monthly quote it has been widely reported that one fateful night, Teddy's monocle popped out and fell into his jug of old granddad, which was their signature drink, which he promptly drank, monocle and all. It gave him some new insights into himself, eventually leading him to run for the presidency. And I was like, you had a real good... It's like your dad with the wasp. Same energy. <laughs> <laughs> Same energy. So, do you want to hear a story? So, my high school... And old Teddy Boy High School um, are in the same district. So we used to play them in football games. Now, my kid doesn't know what the word football means. So this is, a story, have to. My, this is a story about my glory days. Our cheer, like we had, we had regular cheers and then we had specific cheers when we played certain schools. Uh-huh. Our, our cheer for old Teddy High, and this will date me like how far back I went to high school, was hang Teddy, hang Teddy, hang him, hang him, hang him high. Oh my God. That was our cheer. Only in fucking Texas. <laughs> I am not kidding. The worst part is, is you were like, this is going to date me, but like that literally could be any high school in Texas today. Yeah, I don't think they're allowed to do it anymore. They banned books last week in Texas. That's true. It is the 1930s over there. 
Yeah, kids, if you're listening, go pick up Fahrenheit 451 and read it, please. Quickly, before it gets burned. Oh, it's already banned. So just go get it from your library. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also 1984. Just give that a quick peep. Yeah, quick peep. Just, yeah. Just Um, TLDR. It doesn't end well. (laughs) For no one. So... A famous story told at the bar involving old Teddy boy involves his appearance late one night, just after closing, startling the newly hired janitor. Teddy gestured to the young man who promptly ran towards the exit. But when he reached the door, he found that he'd been locked in. And he like, as he's frantically trying to unlock the door, Teddy's ghost just sits quietly and stares at the young man as he's panicking. He drops the keys. He fumbles with the lock. He finally makes so much noise that the night manager and security guard overhear him and rush to help the guy out. And distraught, he explains to them that he'd seen a ghost. And he goes on to say it's the ghost of Teddy Roosevelt. And the poor young janitor quit his job right there. He'd been working like three days and never stepped foot back in the manger again. And I do not blame him. You think, like, okay, I was going to take back that no i don't take back the cheer anymore that was a shitty thing to do teddy that was me damn it teddy god damn you that was really mean what he's oh he was always such a freaking edgelord during one investigation at the bar shadows were seen and voices were heard one of the recordings um may give some credence to the spirits of teddy and the rough riders hanging out because the voice on the recording was caught saying get out your horses get your horses sorry i made up i was like it doesn't make sense to say get out your horses <laughs> pull them out real fast horse check get out your horses <laughs> get your horses get um, horses when we do my story next week we will literally talk about a ghost that says get out and that hard is pass. terrifying hard pass <laughs> um so often in pictures at the bar that are taken in the bar a little girl will appear in the background it's always a fucking little girl always a little girl There are other accounts of other apparitions and photos, but the little girl is the most prominent occurrence. No, thank you. Also in the bar is a spirit known as the vanishing gentleman. And y'all, if I come back to haunt, I want a name like that. Except like I would be that ghost that's in the meme. That's like, why do ghosts always say creepy shit? Because if I come back, I'd be like, it's Britney bitch everywhere. Like that's me. And we all know it. I mean, to be fair, if you're just standing in a silent room and you just hear, it's Britney, bitch, that is kind of scary. No, no like, you know just... how, like, in the, in the ghost stories, when you hear, like, the, the piano, like, suddenly starts playing or the organ, the da, 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 Paul will just play Toxic. We can't go too far. I don't want to get too. Sorry. Uh, oh. She's not going to sue us for that. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah, no. They're going to be like, you know what? I'd like to meet you guys and give you some singing lessons. We'd be like, yes, please, Brittany, please. We love you. Come on our show, Brittany. <laughs> the vanishing gentleman, it's told that late one night, a couple was in the bar and the husband was like off to one side while his wife was getting a drink. And this well-dressed gentleman. Fucking rude, dude. Right? Like, get your wife her, like, get your wife her drink. Um, this well-dressed gentleman approached the wife with what was described as a playboy grin. And I don't exactly know what that means, but I don't like it. It means you're buzzed and you're creepy. 
Um, so the husband went on to confront the man, but as he approached him, the, the well-dressed gentleman just vanished, just like disappeared. Yikes. I've been watching this, um, documentary about Hugh Hefner and like Playboy. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, is it the, um, oh God. Is it, uh, what's her face? Uh, starts with a K Kendra. No. Yes. Maybe. What's her name? Holly, 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 Holly. Yeah. No, it's like a whole documentary about it's like there's a ton of people in it. Holly was in one episode, but it's like it spans like the entire time. Um, Hester was fucking garbage. He was not a nice man. Really bad. So he used to give people quaaludes and he called them Uh leg spreaders. So that's your fun fact of the day. When one of my friends, Uh so like when the Playboy Mansion started out, it was in Chicago. Yes. And then they moved it to LA. They moved it to LA. When it was in Chicago, one of my friend's dad was private security and he had an NDA that like lasted his whole life. He wasn't allowed to disclose anything ever. So basically these people that are being interviewed, I don't know if they're violating NDAs or if the NDAs have been dismissed, but it's like, it's people that are really close. It's his old girlfriends, his old employees. It's really interesting, Yeah. Um, but it is eye opening because I always thought he was just like a kooky old dude. And no, he is no. trash, no. like absolutely I, the worst. So I always figured he wasn't just a kooky old man when I found out that it was a lifelong NDA. Like that's like the Scientology yeah. billionaire contract. Like you're up to some shit if you can't. Honestly, I didn't think of him a lot um, since the girls next door ended. But whenever he was on the girls next door, he just seemed like a nice like guy. Right. Yeah. And then I started like finding out all this other stuff out, and then and then they released this, which is it's still going on. It's on. It's coming on AMC. If you have like Philo or anything like that, you can watch it. This is not an ad, um, but yeah, it's really really interesting. I highly recommend. Sorry, you said Playboy, and that got my mind like. Bloop. Well, this Playboy was spotted again back in July 2004. A woman said, quote, um, there was no one there but us. The bartender waited on us. There was a man wearing a double knit suit, like totally from the 70s, drinking a cognac. And then she said it was July in San Antonio. (laughs) I mean, I'm not convinced that this wasn't Hugh Hefner. Right. Um, She said he stared at us and the bartender never even acknowledged the man. Then he faded before our eyes. That's wild that's just the bar we haven't even made it to the hotel proper so in the hotel proper there are countless ghost sightings Fran just rolled her eyes like fuck there's more i was like how much we're just gonna get i'm sorry (laughs) um so another common occurrence is um reported by multiple front desk staff who work at night they report that guests call them to report a maid wearing a lace apron who ignores them when they try to get her attention And when they call to complain, the desk is prepared to say maids haven't worn lace uniforms in almost 100 years. Oh, that's just me and my Halloween costume ignoring (laughs) men. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) I've just, I've now rewritten the whole idea of the maker in my head. Oh my god! Just like with resting bitch face, walking up and down the halls. What the fuck you looking at? Was just like a decorative like feather duster. (laughs) What are you looking at, asshole? Um, Fuck off! (laughs) According to hotel staff, that man is rude. (laughs) 
ghost is kind of a bitch. Someone's not getting a tip. That's for goddamn sure. Aaron flips the front desk staff a 10 every night and is like, just pretend I'm not here. Play along. <laughs> so according to hotel staff, the most frequently seen ghost is that of Sally White. In fact, Texas monthly columnist and, you know, musician and also failed gubernatorial candidate Kinky Friedman spent a night at the oh, Manger in 2001. Kinky Friedman. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Roll that back just a fucking smidge. What do you mean gubernatorial failure? Oh, yeah. He ran for governor and actually had a pretty big following. Like He did. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Showing. Everyone had bumper stickers that were like, Texas is kinky for kinky and stuff like uh-huh. that. Also, I mean, look at the alter. Look at the alternative. <laughs> right. Look at the alternative who is currently sitting in the governor's mansion. Look at the alternative. We no really folks. didn't do much better, or we didn't do better at all. Fuck that! <laughs> like we should have just voted for Kinky Friedman. <laughs> so Kinky spent a night at the Manger in 2001 and wrote about his experience at the Manger. Um, and this is what he said of his time with Sally White. Quote, maybe it was a combination of old granddad and mango ice cream, but I woke up from a little power nap at 317 in the morning and knew that something was wrong. A beautiful a young nap? woman. Do what? A power nap? Yeah. Is that a power nap if you have that strong of a drink and also mango ice cream sounds legit? I would love that. 317 in the morning, I don't think that's a power nap. I think he's saying he blacked out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I'm reading between the lines, but I'm just quoting exactly what he he's said. He's like, here. well, I snorted some cocaine and then I took a little power nap while it kicked in and then I woke up and there's this lady there. That, I it's mean, like that's how all of my power naps work. How do you think I'm um, getting a fucking master's degree and a full-time job? <laughs> getting listen, getting, getting dad, I'm not on coke. Been there. Um, so he we said, all know you can't afford cocaine. Thank right? you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Listen, um, it's good enough for Stephen King. No, it wasn't. Listen, I have my Adderall, but I have ADHD, so it does nothing for me like it would for listen, other people. <laughs> it just make makes good, me highly productive. I make, I make very good money, and I can't afford cocaine. So, <laughs> um, y'all, I saw a TikTok the other day that somebody said, "What is something that white people cook better than black people?" And a woman said, "Meth." And I just, yeah. I had to leave the room, like <laughs> left my phone and left the room. I was done. Oh, my favorite so TikTok. My favorite TikTok trend right now is um, um, what book has the worst fandom? Is it the Bible? It's the Bible. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to Kinky. Um, he said, a beautiful young woman with a bandana around her head was floating at the foot of my bed. She did not look like Willie Nelson, and I knew it wasn't a dream. It's the only two qualifiers you need, really. <laughs> if I'm wearing a bandana and I don't look like Willie Nelson, we are about to get down. I sat bolt upright and shook my head vigorously in vain to will the vision away. She but began. God damn it, I'm still wasted. <laughs> <laughs> she began swaying slightly and monitoring me with her hands, mo- motioning at me with her hands. I swear I'm not having anything like to drink. Monitoring? Like that's <laughs> like, I don't know what this For means. lack of a better word, kinky. <laughs> and her dark flashing eyes it was definitely time to leap sideways after i hopped out of bed i followed her across the room where after two and a half after a two and a half minute eternity she floated into the wall and disappeared 
Cool. Leap sideways? Like when you jump out of bed, but you jump your whole body at one time. I've uh, all it, done it. <laughs> it's a phrase everyone says it. <laughs> Um, As the story goes, Sally, a former maid at the Manger Hotel, lived in Bloom Alley, which is now the passageway between the Manger and the River Center Mall. I thought you were going to say the passageway between this and the mortal realm. Also that. I mean, have you been to this River Center? Um, Oh, it's really bad, but they have a Tamagotcha there now, so. Oh, well, thank God. You can get a Tamagotchi at Walmart, Erin. Chamagacha. It's the Brazilian steakhouse. Oh. <laughs> no I thought she said Tamagotchi for a second eat. too, and then like I did clicked in my head. I'm like, oh okay. Listen. A place is all you can eat. It's delicious. Uh, the only the only familiarity I have with any place like that is bridesmaids. So <laughs> it ends a lot better if you get it the right one. <laughs> one night, Sally and her husband were involved in an argument when her husband grew violent. She ran, yeah. she ran to the police and um, it's even reported that she spent the night at the police station for safety. But being that Sally was either black or biracial in some reports, she was not taken seriously and was sent home. Also, the fact that she's a woman probably didn't help. Right. Upon returning home, her husband shot Sally in the stomach. Ow. She then turned to run to ow. the manger. You're going to give us ow. What, yeah. what what is she supposed to do? Like a song what and dance? What did you want me to say? That fucking hurts. <laughs> Not ow. Be like, oh my god, what a tragedy! Or oh my god, nothing's changed. Oh, no, so shooting Fred, someone you, in the stomach, I assume, fucking hurts. Fred, you forget that we have 160 episodes of a true crime podcast behind us. That's true. I'm going to be here, folks. We're real jaded at this point. We, we are. We could be like, and then. He ran over her with a military tank and we'd be like, oh, oh that fucking sucks, man. <laughs> I'm not entirely desensitized because I only wrote like four episodes of that 165 podcast. Um, so as she turned to run to the manger, her husband shot her twice more in the back. Ooh. Ow. She made it to the manger and was cared for by Mary Manger for two days before she died. And classy as fuck, Mary Manger paid for her entire funeral costs. Wow. We stand Mary Manger. We do. We are a Mary Manger household. Some employees believe that Sally is the maid that guests often report seeing in the lace uniform. So sorry, Aaron. The cat's out of the bag. There's two of you. Hey, it's actually, I'm actually Mary Manger. (laughs) This has gone so far off the rails because we're talking about (laughs) Sally. Oh, it's it's Mary Manger cosplaying as Sally, but I'm Mary Manger reincarnated. <laughs> also, since we're sharing, since we're sharing, um, it was me in the Teddy Roosevelt costume who scared the life out of that janitor. Listen, that guy I was, probably I, deserved it. He definitely deserved Honestly, it. I was bored one day. If I walked into a room and you were just sitting there silently. Dressed and like I couldn't get out of the room. I <laughs> would be fucking terrified. <laughs> so, Lawrence, it's like your partner who definitely thought they were going to get soprano today. Yes. Okay, no, wait, wait. <laughs> sorry, babe. Take the cannoli, leave the tire. <laughs> He's gonna listen to this. Good. So. So Lauren Swartz. He's met us. He knows that we're fucking crazy. Right? <laughs> this 
So Lord Swartz, who's a tour guide with the Sisters Grimm Ghost Tours, told MySanAntonio.com that um, once a psychic approached her, warning her that there was a spirit at the manger who did not appreciate her story being told to tour members. Swartz went on to explain that she'd never seen this psychic before and the interaction was completely unprompted. But that night, the psychic predicted that the unhappy spirit was going to send Lauren a message. The Sisters Grimm had like a sign to meet up because that's one of the starting points for their tours. And so there's like a sign that said like, Sisters Grimm, meet here or whatever. Well, that Mm -hmm. sign went missing at some point. And when they reviewed the security camera footage, you can see the sign and then it just vanishes like there's no one takes it there's no it's just fucking gone no (laughs) no no i don't like that so that night after her encounter with the psychic lauren went on to find the missing sign face down in one of the hallways in the manger oh hi here's me being like you know what here's me like watching the videotape of the sign fucking disappearing be like you know what we don't need that sign we're gonna need one we don't need it it's fine it's just a sign someone give me a sharpie and a a poster we're good yeah like just go to heb and get me a poster board we will we'll make a new sign i don't need that sign um so (laughs) swartz believed that this was sally may making sally making contact with her sally may she's trying to get her loans May. She really wanted that mortgage payment. This became like 20% scarier. Like 200% scarier. 200% Sally Bay. Panics in grad student. I'm canceling me now, bitch. Another another ghostly spirit of a woman is often spotted just sitting in the original lobby of the historic hotel. She's wearing an old-fashioned blue dress with small wire-framed glasses and a tasseled barrette in her hair. And she just sits, knitting quietly. Um, On one occasion, a staff member stopped to ask her, are you comfortable? May I get you something? Only to be answered with an unfriendly no before the woman disappeared. She's like, bitch, I'm not real. I don't need shit. (laughs) Ghost actually asked to talk to the manager. Are you being helped? No, I am not being helped. Uh, another guest reported emerging from the shower to see an apparition dressed in a buckskin jacket and gray pants um, who was having a heated conversation with an unseen presence. He demanded to know, are you going to stay or are you going to go three times before he just left? No, listen to me. Like I got out of the shower and there's a random man in buckskin standing in my fucking hotel room. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, thank you. No. I do not consent to this, sir. Other entities help, I say in air quotes, in the kitchen area. Utensils will float through the air and, like, just get tossed around. Um, Sometimes, like, the chef will set down, uh, like, something they're using and turn around and it will appear on the other side of the room. Yeah, that seems super helpful. Yeah. (laughs) I did a thing for you. Where the fuck is my this is a toddler ghost, 100%. Oh, absolutely. 5,000%. Oh, you have a four-year-old. Like, you should know this. Yes, oh, I know. It's a three-nature. Oh, God. Um, so, because of its proximity to the Alamo, some of the ghosts of the manger are attributed to the Battle of the Alamo. 
people have reported hearing heavy footsteps and kicking, and people have reported seeing men walking in old military boots on several occasions. It's Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett, yeah, 100%. Davy, Davy Crockett, Crockett. King of the Wild Frontier. That's all I know. I'm glad we all learned the same song in elementary school. (laughs) In general, the ghosts have never really bothered the guest more than just like startling people. They are not malicious in general, but that doesn't make them any less creepy. Mm, And so um, as someone who has stayed at the Manger on multiple occasions, um, because I used to go to a conference down in San Antonio every year, and they gave a really good discounted rate for teachers to stay there, probably because nobody wants to stay there because it's haunted as fuck. You know where you never come when you're in San Antonio? Where? To visit me. I was going to say her house. I haven't been there since I've known you. You know what? It's fucking rude is what it is. It is. Listen. It sounds like excuses to me. Here's the thing. I can't come to Texas anymore. They'll find out I'm a liberal. I'll just get you there. They haven't murdered me in the street yet. It's going to happen at some point, but not yet. (laughs) They're going to stone you, Aaron. Bringing back biblical executions. You know what? They probably, you know what? That'll probably be Dan Patrick's thing tomorrow. He's going to listen to this podcast and be like, that's a great idea. And we're like, dear Texas Senate. He can't actually write. So he's going to dictate to his, uh, his secretary. Oh man. He degrades on a regular basis because she happens to be a woman. Like I, um, but as somebody, who's, here. as somebody who stayed there on multiple occasions, it's not the scariest place I've ever stayed, but there's no. definitely activity going on at all times. Yeah, it if has a vibe, but it's not scary. Right. If you're even a, li- a little sensitive to spirits or ghosts, if you find their presence unsettling, I might avoid it. Um, just like you won't sleep because there's a lot of activity going on. But it is a beautiful hotel in one of my favorite cities. It's close to everything and walking distance to the only bar I've ever been asked to leave. So it gets my vote. So it's so funny. So the Menger definitely it has a vibe. Uh-huh. It does. Um, I'm pretty sensitive to stuff like that, but I've never been afraid yeah, in that I, hotel. I've, I've never, never stayed there. there. I've never slept there because I live here but right um i've never been afraid when i was there and there are hotels that i've been in that i have been afraid when i was there oh yeah so um definitely like it doesn't have bad vibes but it has ghost vibes for sure and um i remember hearing something recently that said like ghosts most most prominently haunt places where they were happy because that's where they want to spend their time in places where they were happy. And that makes me feel better about mm. some ghost activity in hotels. I've always heard and believed that ghosts are where there is a large emotional connection. So it could be either side. Right. Yeah. I've heard like a lot of spirits tend to end up where they are happy and that makes me feel better. So if the ghosts are happy, like I'm happy, it's cool. Right. <laughs> Yep. And if we I mean, we vibe. if old Teddy boy just wants to stare at you while he's drinking, then like just put on a little I mean, show the, for him. Like make it awkward the dude for him in the too. Buckskin vest can fuck right off. But. <laughs> yeah, really. Can you? I just, y'all, I just told everyone to try to out awkward a ghost. Can you imagine like my dumb ass like trying to taunt a ghost? Like, so hey, here's Teddy the, boy. 
here's the problem is I would come out and like, I would see the guy in the buckskin and I would realize it was a ghost. I'd be like, would you get the fuck out? I am trying to change. Right. Get out. You pervert, pervert ghost. That's not how it works these days. Become an angry spirit and smite me. (laughs) (laughs) Hotels on fire for no reason. What happened? I had this horrible vision. Old Teddy. Oh, it's the Adams kid. I had this horrible vision of little man just as a teenager, just like taking a pot and a spoon, just going, "Ghost, you best get the fuck out my face!" Just, just marching to the mic. It's like from that show. I didn't go get no sleep because I got no sleep because I got no sleep because I got. I'm not prepared for oh, teenage. Man. Not we prepared for teenage. Not. Here's the thing, you're not, you never will be. And when you confront him, he's gonna look at you and be like, I learned from watching you, Dad. Right. That's the so that's the thing, is when my toddler sasses me, it is my voice coming out of his mouth every oh, single totally. time. There, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it still happens with my nearly adult child. He'll say something and I'm like Yep. What can you say? Uh-huh. Oh my God. I have a toddler story. I'm sorry. Okay. So I don't have children, um, but my cousin, Daniela, who is uh, three. Yeah. No, she's going to be four in like a month. Another oh, March baby. Like three, two. Going on 35. She so yeah. is. Yeah. No. It's, yeah. I, my favorite joke about my cousin, Daniela, is that she's either going to run the world or destroy it. And it depends on the day. <laughs> so what time? My parents it, used to say something similar about me that either one day I was going to wind up at Penn State or in the state pen. So I get it. <laughs> okay. And uh, it was her older sister, my other cousin Adriana's her birthday party. And uh, they had this, all these, like, like a, a small country's worth of toys for Adriana. And she was very good about sharing with her siblings and everything. But of course, what were they fighting over this fucking like quarter coos ball? Right. So the girls are fighting over the coos ball and me, I'm 30, my brother, who's 25, my sister, who turned 22 two days ago, and my cousin, who is like 23, four, Michael, how old are you? 23. And, uh, You're asking us like we know. And I'm like, yeah. Totally. No, You've given your entire family tree here. That's not my entire family tree. You and I both know that's barely a fucking bridge. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that is not nearly her entire family tree. Yeah, no. Basically, the joke I'm trying to make is that we're sitting there and like they're fighting over it. And I walk over and I said, Daniela, you need to give Adriana a turn too. It's just as much her toy. It's her birthday. You know, you should give her a turn. And she's and Daniela looks at me and says, I've only had this for a minute, and Adriana had it longer than me at her last turn. And four grown adults just went, fair enough. You know what? That makes sense. Toddler logic is something else. We, we, we just we just walked away. She's like, but Adriana had it for longer in her last turn. And all four of us all looked at each other and went, you know what? Fair. That's fine. Child <laughs> logic will get you every just single time. Just walked away. Just walked away. My aunt's like, why are the guys fighting? I'm like, nope, Danielle's got a point. Goodness. Well, that was an amazing story. It Thank was. You. Oh, it was so cool. Thank you. I I really love ghost stories. But especially if there's a lot of history involved, um, as y'all know, whenever we took this on and we talked about bringing a lot of history into, I was like, yes, yes, please let me learn. Like, yes, it's been a long time since I've been a student. And this means that every three weeks I get to be a student again. It's awesome. Yeah, that's the thing. So next week I'm going to give my story and then I'm going to make Fran 
mute her microphone. It's a place that someone she admires spent a lot of time. Oh, no. Oh, she's going to tell you about my house. No. 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 Okay, I promise I will. Go run it by me first. I will run it by you. I think you already know. I thought you already knew, but I will run it by you. No, no, no. You do know, but I need to know like what you know so I can tell you what you may have. Oh, I know know all the things. You know all the things. Okay. Yeah. Um, Um, Do we want to spill some book tea? I would love to spill some book tea because I'm reading an incredible book right now. Tell me all about it. I'm reading The Personal Librarian. And let me pull up the um author I I was your personal librarian do what i thought i was yeah, your personal librarian right? yeah um, it's a book about you actually it's a book about me oh god it's by marie benedict and victoria christopher murray um and it is based on the true story um of like it's inspired by true events of jp morgan's personal librarian when he opened his oh. giant personal collection um mm-hmm of Belle de Costa Green, who was born, um, was born black, but at some point her mom made the decision for her family that they were going to pass as white and created new identities for all of them. And so his first private librarian of his collection was actually a woman of color and it's her story. Wow. Okay. Okay. That sounds so cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's it beautifully written. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like Marie Benedict was also the woman who wrote The Other Einstein, and I really loved that book. Yes, she writes wonderful historical fiction. Right, what about you? Okay, um, well, I just finished, um, I just finished a book called The Family Plot, uh, which is written by a woman named Megan Collins. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I think it's really cool. Like, I think you two would really like it uh, since, you know, the three of us, as well as the rest of our group, we all bonded over true crime. So this mm-hmm. is about a, a family and all of the children are named after true crime, like victims. Like there's a there's the, the oldest son is named uh, Charles after Lindberg. There are twins named uh, Dahlia and Andy. I'm waiting for Dahlia oh, to come. Okay. Yeah, Dahlia, which is so weird because, like, neighbor Elizabeth, I don't know, but like, it worked. So, uh, her name's Dahlia. Her uh, older sister's name is uh, Tate after Sharon. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, their their whole life was just like, I feel like this is what people who aren't into true crime think that we do. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, like, that makes the, sense. Yeah. Yeah, because like with like their whole life, like they lived in this uh like remote island. All the siblings grew up in this remote island. And um and what is it? And they were homeschooled and they just grew up very secluded. And while they were homeschooled, their mom taught them about all kinds of cases. Like they talked about like Who wrote this? I feel like I've heard of this. I've definitely told you about this before while I was reading it because it blew my mind. But um, I feel like it was like a book of the month or something. Maybe. Megan Collins. Megan Collins. That is what it is. Okay. I just need to be sure on the spelling. That's without the H. Um, Okay. It's funny that you said without the H because I would have defaulted to M-E-A. G-A-N. Like an H would not be in my default spelling. No. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, Dahlia, so anyway, when you're 18, you're, uh, the family gives, the parents uh, give their kids like a sum of money uh, so they can just, you know, go off and into the world and just, you know, do what they want. And uh, when Dahlia is 16, um, this is how it all starts everything. When Dahlia is 16, her uh, 
twin brother Andy just kind of like what she thinks is just disappears. And they keep talking about um, the op- uh, a serial killer, a made up serial killer that keeps coming up in the book. It's called the Blackburn Killer because they live in Blackburn, Rhode Island. So it's talking about the Blackburn Killer, the Blackburn Killer, the Blackburn Killer, the Blackburn Killer. And Andy uh, like disappears when he's 16. And when Delia goes back because her father passed of natural causes. Um, so she goes back for her father's funeral. And while they're digging up his plot that she has on their property, which, by the way, is illegal in all 50 states, uh, at least to your problems. Uh, so when they're digging up the plot, they find Andy's body and it just gets weirder from there. Wow. Oh, I'm going to have to download this. It sounds good. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's part um, it's part cold case. It's part murder mystery. And it's just like. I keep saying, I keep having to remind myself that the serial killer that they keep talking about in the book was made up because I keep trying to think like she always puts him in the same like category as like, oh, it's the Blackburn killer. Oh, he's like Ted Bundy or he's like Son of mm-hmm. Sam or he's like this, he's like that. So I'm just like, oh, okay. So like Blackburn killer, not an actual thing. This is made up for the book. Like I have to keep reminding myself that and it's right. written so smoothly and so beautifully. Interesting. It was when so the cool. Flo- like I love when you can get lost in the prose as yes. well as the story. Yes, absolutely. I remember I finished it and uh, I finished it in Vermont, and uh, my uh, partner was watching was uh, watching something was on his computer at the other end of the uh, in the room with me, and I remember I finished it and I literally just did the thing from Silver Linings Playbook. I slammed it. And just, what the fuck? In there. <laughs> yep. He's like, there. "Are you okay?" I'm like, "No, I'm not fucking okay." I've yet to put my book in the freezer, but I have slammed a book in cost or thrown it. Uh, I've been so mad at a twist that I've just thrown a book. I almost threw Ghost of a Watchman into the ocean. And to this day, I'm mad at myself for not doing that. We don't talk about her. No. So I literally just got this from my library. So as we're But lately, the only things I've been reading right now are research for the book that I'm writing. It takes place in the 40s and there's a character in there who is a World War II vet and one of the last things he did on his tour was he liberated Dachau. So I've been doing a lot of research into a lot of the Allied soldiers who have liberated the concentration camps, like stuff that they've said and everything. But it was just so intense and so much that every time I finished a video, I would have to play in Kanto for a little bit and just dance around my room. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I'm listening to this poor, this wonderful, sweet, like 90 year old man still bursting into fresh tears over the horrible atrocities that he saw. And then I had to pause YouTube and then we don't talk about Bruno. Later. That's my only way to go. Love it. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. Like it was. So, he's talking about, oh, the smell. And I'm like, what else can I do? Bring it in. Bring it in. Hey, Aaron, are you reading something interesting right now? Um, yeah, well, I, so as the, as we're recording this, this is a little bit further out, but this book actually drops on March 8th, which will be a week from the day that this is released. Okay. Um, I recently finished an arc of The Golden Couple written by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen, which if you um, follow them, they wrote um, The Wife Between Us, An Anonymous Girl, You Are Not Alone. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're a pretty trusted um, duo. And so I'm just going to kind of read you all like my Goodreads review. Mm. Um, the golden couple, that's how people describe Marissa and Matthew. Oh, no. When they arrive in Avery's office, desperate to, for her to fix their marriage, they are anything but. 
Avery is a disgraced psychologist gone rogue, forced out of her field due to her unconventional methods. The problem with that is her methods work. She thinks Marissa and Matthew are prime candidates for her 10-session treatment. But as things progress, it turns out they're hiding more secrets than she thought. And so is she. Things begin to unravel as Avery struggles to keep up with Marissa and Matthew and the world they have drawn her into. Can their marriage be saved? Or will theirs be the case that ends Avery's career, or perhaps more? The no- this novel is twisty, turny, and every time I thought I had it figured out, there was a new twist to reckon with. I love that. So I enjoyed much. it so much. So I um, love that. It, it's a great book. Um, it's about a perfect couple and all the shit that's going on behind closed doors. It's very good. Sounds really good. That is my absolute favorite thing. There's the two things. Uh, a good narrative to me is one when I get angry that I didn't think of it first Uh Uh, and uh, my personal favorite is when I'm settling in and I think I can predict where it's going and it just does a hard left that is that is my favorite thing time I was like oh it's this was never what I thought it was it was insane (laughs) that happened a lot with the family plot for me that was what made me so angry I'm like god damn it I should have seen this coming sometimes though that pisses me off like if they take it so far left that it's implausible, then I get pissed off. Yeah. And I will well, no, that's the, book. The, the family plot did that. It was, it was not, uh, it was completely plausible. And it, it was, was just, believable. I know, but like, you were like, I love it when it goes hard left. And I'm like, mm, I, I like like a yeah. 45 degree left. I don't need a whole 90 yeah. degrees I from where you. I was looking. I feel like you understand that in New Jersey, we're not very familiar with a left turn. So I'm just kind of spitballing. Oh, no. do y'all only have roundabouts up there? Like, how's this going? They're called fucking jug handles. No, uh, that They're is what jug handles. Oh no, 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 no! We're not doing this. This is not the make fun of New Jersey bit, a part of the show. It's always. I mean, I feel like time. it is a part of the show because it's the whole show. Because the town I grew up in calls it the traffic circle, and I've moved past that. <laughs> I mean, we do have roundabouts, but more often we have just jug handles. So because it's oh so that's different. I thought you were saying y'all renamed roundabouts jackhammers is what I heard. No, not jackhammers, jug handles. Well, we don't I talk got about that jackhammers. That time. Yeah. What is it? What Aaron, I'm where not, did I lose you? I'm not sure what a jug handle is. What is a jug handle? A jug handle is it's only because it looks like a jug handle. So basically no, what it is. No, it doesn't. No, because if I imagine a jug handle on a road, it doesn't make sense. So it doesn't <laughs> look like a jug handle. So it's mostly like off uh, like a highway or a busy road or whatever, because it's uh, illegal to make a left at a red light in New Jersey. I don't get it Wait. either. Okay. It's just like any way. red light. You don't stop at red lights. No, no, we stop. We just can't stop and then turn left. Well, like we y'all can't don't have either. Left turn arrows. Sometimes we, we can do only turn, if it's already. We can only turn right on red. We can't turn left on red. A lot of the time we can't turn left. And New Jersey has a very complicated relationship with gas pedals and left turns. Y'all so, also have compl- complicated relationships with cars in general. You're not allowed to pump your own gas. No, no we're but, not. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm New Jersey. No. Okay, tell me about <laughs> this jug handle, move. though. I'm trying to figure it yes. out. Okay, so if we have to make, it's normally like on a, a highway or a busy street or whatever. Like the highway by my house is like you, you, uh, you drive down it and then you kind of like 
bear right a smidge. And then you make like a U-turn sort of situation. Um, I'm using my hands. Uh, this is a podcast. Um, so it's a highway turnaround. It, it's kind of, it's kind of like a turnaround, I guess. And then you just, you, we call it a jug handle because that's what it looks like. So you kind of just Why make a right. Why are you and then, bearing right? Why don't you just get in the left lane and then turn around like every other normal highway? <laughs> Because shut up, that's why. That's actually, okay, so no, I you did. you know what, New Jersey, you're canceled. You're I canceled. did read the driver ed manual for New Jersey, and when it, the specific chapter about did. drug handles just said, yes. shut up, that's why. <laughs> yes, shut up, that's why. <laughs> I I have so many, I'm going to Google it. I'm, I have. Well, I, while Aaron Googles this, and Fran teaches us more about New Jersey, I think it's probably time to say goodnight. So, I think so, yeah. This is going to get real ugly. Um, yes, that makes no sense. Um, and that's stupid. So that's my final answer. Okay. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. How's that uh, your very own power grid? Because you're going to secede at any moment now, Texas. Hey, hey, let's not go there because Louisiana is voting to join it because like we You're saw that the goddamn water. We saw the sinking ship. We saw the sinking we, ship and we were like, the Titanic looks real fun. Is there room for us? We can't even power our own houses, but sure, Louisiana, come on. Yeah, they were like, we can strengthen you. And I'm like, do you remember when all of our water ruptured when it froze last oh, year? Fuck. And fuck. So um, maybe we'll be coming to learn some jug handles. Next, we're going to have DeSantis wanting to put fucking Florida on. Oh, God, help me. Um, um, I'm going to I'm going to move to the moon. That's the only place where I think I can get real peace and quiet. And with that, everybody, uh, stay safe and have the day you deserve. Have the day you deserve. Bye. Bye.